The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory Friday edition. Excited to be closing out your week here. Uh, with you thank you so much for for taking the time to listen to our fine program and i'm really excited because the gang is all here and uh everyone's back together craig has returned but i'll let maddie do the do the the pleasures there uh maddie lane find him on twitter at chief in carolina what's good my friend I'm glad that you introduced Craig and then threw it to me i think that is a good way to flow around this podcast I do want to say, guys, I know everybody was asking if I could get Youthful Regis back on here. You're going to have to go a week without the gauntlet. We had There's only room on this podcast for the return of one celebrity, and the Renaissance man himself is back. So, Craig, welcome back. We missed you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's been a week. So, uh, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking football with my pals again. I don't appreciate that Maddie got slighted immediately upon my return. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. We, this is, it's been nonstop without you, Craig. Since since you have been gone, it's just been one shot after another. I don't know how much longer I can last. It's since I apparently I'm the only advocate for Maddie Lane here, so I I am back to go to bat for Matt again. I just I realize I'm really disappointed, Matt, because we really wasted a great opportunity to because we slandered Craig so hard on the gauntlet the last time, and that was the last time he did a show with us. We could have played into a bit that Craig was so upset with how poorly we treated him that he just was off the show. Don't rope me into this we mistreated him nonsense. Craig uh, and I have no. a bear, very friendly and mutually beneficial relationship. You came in here with haymakers, and since Craig <laughs> has been gone, you have just brought out the brass knuckles at my cheekbone since. <laughs> Listen, that wouldn't work. Everybody knows that. I've been writing about the Chiefs defense for over a decade now. Everybody knows that I'm well-worn in the ways of people attacking me. It's going to take a lot more than that for you guys to get me the hell out of here. I felt a need on Wednesday to clarify that everything was okay with you <laughs> on the show. I don't know if you listen back, but like on Wednesday's show, I was just like, Craig's fine. Don't worry. Everything's okay. It's, it's, he's still around, but um, okay. So we're uh, we're gonna 
talk about a lot of different things today, mostly about Brett Veach's press conference, and we're just kind of kind of analyze and break down our thoughts from that. I know it's a little bit older, but Craig wasn't here, and it just didn't feel right without Craig. So blame Craig. Um, but before we do that, Anthony Sherman, the sausage, has has hung him up. He has hung up the links, so they say. So it's a it's a surprising day here in Chiefs Kingdom, Craig. Not the patties. You had to go with links and not the paddies. Yeah, that would have been a decent one too. Okay. Yeah. There's only one room for, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry, Maddie. Hang up the patties. Wow. Wow. You guys <laughs> You guys really needed me here, huh? Okay. Um <laughs> Yes! We did. The dynamic wow. definitely changes without you. I mean, I will oh admit to that. Oh my goodness, is that the is that the gold you guys brought this week? I I am surprised we have any listeners. That's the that's the effort wow. and energy right there. No, uh, Anthony Sherman retires uh, today. Uh, a good long career for a fullback. You know, he's been sticking around in this league for a long time. He has been one of Andy Reid's guys, one of Dave Tobe's guys as well. A guy that they really liked in the locker room. I think if you talk to anybody that's spent any amount of time around the Chiefs with Anthony Sherman around there, they would tell you how much they enjoyed talking to him. You know, he was kind of a gatekeeper for that locker room. Like if you earn Anthony Sherman's trust as a media member or as a player, you earn the trust of a lot of members in that locker room. So it really is kind of sad to see him go. I know that she's don't really use a fullback very often. His snap count continued to go down, you know, special teams contributions went down a little bit as well as the special teams wane. So it's just one of those situations where it's probably time. I'm I'm glad to see him retire rather than try and finish up his career somewhere else. But, you know, he got a ring. Uh, wear that damn ring proud Anthony Sherman. You know, have fun in retirement. What's even more impressive about Anthony Sherman's career is the time at which he did it, which is the most modern football that we've dealt with, is the most pass-centric football. And he is about as old school of a fullback as you can possibly be. I mean, you look around the league, the rest of the fullbacks that really get a lot of run are guys that are really good pass catchers, guys that are used in more of these H-back or kind of hybrid roles. And while the Chiefs, you know, had that one game where they featured Anthony Sherman's as a receiver, like that just was never what he was. He was a true old school fullback that lasted close to a decade in the modern NFL right now. So, I mean, you have to just give him a round of applause for doing that. One thing, though, this does lead me to, the Chiefs, there's been some rumors, and I think we're going to get into it here with Veach's press conference a little bit, too, that they might be trying to look into another tight end, a tight end, too, a backup tight end. You take a fullback off the roster, your starting fullback who's been here, that opens up the role for another big-bodied guy that plays more of an H-back, fullback role, as well as a tight end. So, like, we've talked about it many times, going back to John Lovett being here. Maybe we don't need a traditional fullback in this offense. I do think that Sherman had said post-Super Bowl loss that he would love to come back. Maybe it just wasn't in the works, and that's how we got to where we are now because the Chiefs are looking for a less just static fullback-type player. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's definitely something worth monitoring with this entire, you know, the whole process, frankly. You know, what's going to happen here in free agency? What happens in the draft? How do they address that situation? You know, obviously, it, you, to your point, Anthony Sherman wasn't even really utilized on offense some games, just flat out this last season. He was really largely relegated to special teams, and, and it seemed like an even more reduced role than we're typically seeing with him. 
uh, at the fullback position. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how this team u- utilizes that position more or less, how they go about filling, how creative they are with filling it. Uh, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about how, you know, using more of an H-back, a guy that's a little more fluid in motion. You know, I'm just saying that they had John Lovett on this roster and we condoned to keep him over Ricky Seals-Jones and Ricky Seals-Jones barely played this year and now Anthony Sherman is retired and well, not trying to rain on Anthony Sherman's parade. He's had a great career, but John John Lovett would be nice to have right now. Maddie wanted to get into real football analysis uh, and transition that way to me, but I just wanted to kind of note real quick. May 1st, 2013, Anthony Sherman was acquired by the from the Arizona Cardinals for cornerback Javier Arenas. It's been eight years, guys. Just He's insane. He's got a little groin. <laughs> so let's jump into the, Veach, the Brett Veach uh, presser here because uh, we got to hear from the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this week. There was some things that were very interesting. Some things have been analyzed a little bit. So I don't know if everything has been entirely. So let's just kind of go in and uh, talk a little bit about what you know we kind of heard. Uh, and I think you got to start with the offensive line. Both tackles, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher expected back. Sounds like optimistically right now, week one, Maddie. Yeah, and I think... It's easy to buy that Mitchell Schwartz could be ready for the start of next year. You'd obviously, we don't know the details or the recovery time on the back surgery that he underwent, you know, just a week and a half ago now, but it just, it seems very plausible that he would be back by then. He tried to get to where he could come back without the surgery, couldn't do it last year. So having him back for the start of the 2021 season makes a ton of sense. Eric Fisher returning to play football six and a half months out from tearing his Achilles at his age seems wildly unrealistic to me. It has been done. There are NFL players that have done it. Guys that are near his same age that play at a position that probably requires even a little bit more explosion than offensive tackle does. So it's possible. It just seems kind of crazy that that's a goal. I do think Veach kind of walked it back a little bit and said that that was the team's just guideline for when he could be back. I definitely think that when he was given the opportunity to come back and really dig his heels in, he was giving a little bit of ground, kind of passing it off to the athletic training team, which is the way it should be. It should be with them and not him. So I just be a little on edge about that one. But I just thought for the whole press conference, I thought it was interesting. They were very open about stating that there was a need to improve the offensive line. And I just thought it was really interesting how it seemed like it would be from guys not currently on the roster rather so than just guys in house. I know he mentioned both, but there was a very clear reference to guys not on the roster currently. Yeah, you know, that I think you're going to see a diversification to this group up front. I really do. I think this is going to be, you know, some small additions everywhere. I think you'll see some of the returning guys and some of the guys that are back from you know, the the protocols and, 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 and skipping out on the season, you know, with like a Lucas Niang and a Laurent Duvernay Tardif. But I think you've got to add some vet, veteran depth, and be it bringing Mike Rimmers back or somebody. I think there's got to be a fallback option at tackle that's veteran, that's ready. I think you have to have someone in that capacity ready to go in case something doesn't go particularly well with one of the tackles um, off-season processes. I mean, backs are no jokes. You know, I solely's been, you know, solely Chiefs, our pal's been tweeting this. You don't, you don't recover from a back injury, really. You don't come, you don't, you don't, 
used to have a, 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 a an injured back. It's always injured. So like there, I mean, there's no guarantee that they're even going to have these guys back in the same kind of ability that we're used to. There really isn't. So they've got to diversify that group up front. They've got to add some veteran depth that's going to be ready, but they've also got to get younger and they got to add some cheap talent because this is a big issue. I mean, protecting Patrick Mahomes is the most important thing this organization could possibly do. And they didn't do a good enough job with the guys that ultimately had, were in the building. I know the process was probably decent, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And, and we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean, to kind of look at it a little bit different way here, I think that you should plant some optimism that Eric Fisher is going to be back maybe a little sooner than we expected, or at least I expected. Like, I thought that Eric Fisher might be back for the playoffs next year. I think maybe a midseason return might be in the cards with the way that they're talking here, even, you know, the most optimistic thing of him being ready for the start of the year. I'm not there yet, but... If it's a mid-season return for something, that kind of alleviates what you need to do and how you need to protect Patrick Mahomes. You can get by a little bit if you need to with a replacement guy. Lucas Niang's coming back, and I think everybody saw some of the videos that were posted you know, of him working on a right tackle stance, getting out into space as a right tackle. Mitchell Schwartz, in the past, when there has been injuries to left tackle, has kicked over to that left tackle spot. They could maybe get by if Mitch's back is good enough with those two guys on the outside until Eric Fisher comes back. Having LDT back makes a big deal as well, makes a big difference. Having some more depth maybe on the interior also makes some difference. This offensive line is going to get better quicker than we expect, but I do think that there is going to be some optimism that the Chiefs are going to have a fully healthy, as healthy as they can be with Eric Fisher's Achilles and Mitchell Schwartz's back for the end of the season. And if you got those bookend guys, you can do a lot of good stuff on the interior to help protect Patrick Mahomes as well. I just want to throw this out there because when we were kind of talking about it there, Veach did mention that there would be, they were excited about some of the guys in-house and then, but also knowing they needed to add some outside. I think they might've even said the word depth, but you're looking around the free agency market right now. I mean, at offensive guard especially, Gabe Jackson just got released by the Raiders. It sounds like Andrew Norwell might be getting released soon. I mean, like, there's guys that are going to be out there at guard to go with what's already a pretty good interior free agency, just free agent class. So it's just there's guys going to be available for high price, for mid-tier price. With the lower cap this year, you never know what these guys are going to come in at. I do think that we should expect, just based on what they're saying, some kind of influx of talent, whether that be in free agency, starters, depth players, draft, whatever it may be. But there's going to be a lot of turn or just new people added to this offensive line room because I don't think the Chiefs have ever, especially Brett Veach, have really spoken about the offensive line in this way since he's taken over. Kevin Zeitler, too. Sounds like, you know, there's yeah. just a, there's a lot of guys. And Joe Thune. Joe like, Thune. I mean, but, I mean, Joe yeah. Thune, yeah. yeah. But so like I mean it's just Sheriff's already there. There's just yeah. the, the market's great, but like even some of these guys that are just getting released, that I mean that's a, this is a bad year to be an offensive lineman in free agency <laughs> because this is yeah. a great offensive line group. This is. And so there's gonna be a lot of options available to this football team. And Brett Veach even said it was a great offensive line group. He also said it was a great cornerback group. That was one of the most perplexing things, and I think I heard him say it twice. On both in the press conference, but I think he also doubled down on it with Fesco, Bob Fesco on six ten. I mean, 
I, listen, whatever Britt Veach is having, I'm going to have some of that as well because <laughs> this quarterback group is bad. I mean, frankly, it is. It, it's really bad. And the middle of the draft, he, he kind of talked about how there is depth, ra- depth rounds one through four. And while I may agree that this cornerback group is probably about four deep in the first round, that after that it does fall off a cliff and the guys that are decent are slot corners. Yes, the Chiefs may want to move Legereus Need outside, in which case they could take a slot corner, but Taking a slot corner in round two is something that just doesn't happen very often. A guy that we loved, Amik Robertson, last year, a guy with feisty, good footwork, was a really good player, was just small. Like, that was his big knock, was just that he was small. Went day three. And, you know, teams didn't even really consider him. And he got a whole bunch of hype going into it as maybe being a round two player. He went day three because he was small. A lot of these other guys, Asante Samuel Jr., small. Aaron Robinson, small. These guys are good football players, but they're just really tiny. And that's what the meat of this draft class is in the middle of it here. So him saying, you know, the quarterback group is really good. You know, there's guys rounds one through four. Man, maybe he's got his eyes on some of these guys that I'm just not nearly as high on, but the NFL has traditionally passed on a lot of the guys that are of the stature of the guys that are good in this class in day two, so I I just don't see it at all. I wonder if it's like one of the things I theorize is like maybe he, maybe the NFL isn't as high on this cornerback's top of the of the class and, and and Caleb Farley and JC Horn aren't winding up in the first half of the first round. Maybe it's just as simple as that and like there's a little bit more confidence that the that the you know the the late first range is actually going to have some value there. That was the only thing I could theorize is like the the run but is actually not starting. But he said 1 through starting. 4 though. Like he said 1 through 4. He said rounds 1 through 4. I would I would totally agree with that. Like if you wanted to tell me that he's looking at Greg Newsom and he's like, "Man, I would really like to catch him at 32." I think they can. But I'm I think just saying, that that's maybe a- maybe he's thinking maybe and maybe maybe the market is such that he's like, "Man, I really would like Greg Newsom at 63 because the run on quarterbacks." Like I'm not saying that's logical. Oof. What I'm saying is what I'm saying yeah. is that's the only thing I could think about. That would make any little bit of sense is like the run on quarterbacks is starting late, like the 20s, like J.C. Horn and Caleb Farley are in striking distance for some reason. That's all. That was really the that was the only logical connection I could make because I don't see it. Listen, I'm with you. That would be great. I I would be on board with that. I know. How wild would it be that this is finally the year where the Chiefs decide to invest in corner? Like when they actually have a young, good player that plays corner on the roster for essentially the first time since Brett Veach has taken over, and this is the final straw, and they're finally going to go address a cornerback early. Like I would just. I don't even think I'd be upset because it's still, I mean, you can't have too many corners. I would just laugh because there's so many other needs. And we went three years with corner being arguably the biggest need and they just never cared. And now all of a sudden it's a problem that has to be fixed over tackle, center, edge, receiver, so on and so forth. Listen, J.C. Horn grabs enough to be a Spags corner. We know this. Yeah, buddy. Like, he, he is physical enough to play so that. So does Sertan. And don't, yeah, so does Sertan. Ooh. Man, um, imagine one of those two guys across from Legereus Need. Guys, I have a problem. I have to leave this podcast right now just thinking about this. So uh, <laughs> you guys enjoy it. 
Well, we'll talk about restructures while you're gone, Craig. That's one of the things that really popped up. You know, Brett Veach kind of just talking about the same thing we talked about with with uh, with Chief Bearcat, uh, our guy Chief Bearcat, the couple weeks ago. You know, there's a lot of levers that this team can pull with some restructures to free some cap space uh, if they just want to get into bed a little bit with guys like Patrick Mahomes, which they obviously want to. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he alluded to Travis Kelsey. Uh, Chris Jones, he alluded to Chris Jones. Those are the three big ones where some big cap savings can occur. Uh, and it sounds like it very well could be something that happens here, Craig. Yeah, definitely could. Uh, Chief Bearcat kind of ran all that down as to about the amount of money that it would save. I'm not going to throw numbers at you anymore. Just go back a couple weeks ago and listen to that. He, he's got some numbers for you. But you can save some big money. And I think we'll know pretty quickly here what the Chiefs' plans are in free agency, what they want to do at offensive line, wide receiver, defensive end, linebacker, cornerback, whatever it is that you are hoping that they add to this team. I think you're going to see roughly the pool that they're willing to play with here. Last year, they restructured Frank Clark, and they didn't do a full, you know, the full restructure that they could to save the absolute most money they just took a little bit and it was just to get some guys in there it was just to get Travis Kelsey's number in there it was just to get you know a couple of these guys in there so that they could have them in house if you start seeing massive adjustments if you start seeing them getting in bed with Chris Jones for the full amount I think you can expect that they're willing to make a major major move in free agency I I think the fact that he threw out those three name three names means that they're at least willing to go after a big guy. Because if you're willing to touch all three of those contracts, and if he truly is willing to touch all three of those contracts, that's a big, big deal. You can sign a good free agent for the amount of money that you can save just by you know restructuring their contracts a little bit. And obviously the team, you know, their cap department know that it's possible to restructure all these deals and what you're going to get out of it and what you can do. But the fact that Brett Veach is bringing it up when the kind of the opportunities presented itself makes you know that, you know, they really have had a conversation most likely about having to do this, as I'm sure all teams do. But it is something that they are at least considering the fact that it is this far out there right now. Like we've said, I said it before the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl, and I think we all still agreed with it then, do now. If the Chiefs were to lose, which they did, they're probably going to change this team. Like, I think this team is very top-heavy. The middle and bottom end of this roster are not as talented as most other teams in the NFL right now. I'm not going to say all, but a lot of them. It's a very top-heavy roster. I think they do realize that. They are going to try to churn over some of the players in this roster to get a deeper, more talented roster from 1 to 53. That is going to require them to move some money around because we've all seen the graphic. They're like $20 million over the cap currently. They do have to make moves just to you know, be okay for next year. And I think we all expect them to play in free agency a little bit. So just hearing them talk about these restructures lets you know that they do have some plans ready that don't require cutting guys outright, which I'm not even sure if they could cut that many guys to save money. One of the plans that they discussed was the receiver position and didn't really get a ton of answers there. Uh, a lot of confidence in Byron Pringle. A lot of confidence in McCole Hardman when addressing the wide receiver two spot found that extremely fascinating because I just flat out don't think that's enough talent to walk into the, the next season with your attrition, you know, a little bit of attrition at that position away from big problems, which I already think those aren't, I think those are pretty big problems as itself. I don't think 
you know, I, Byron Pingle might be able to provide you some value as an X receiver, but he hasn't shown the, enough to earn the opportunity to be on the field uh, at the same kind of clip that we all think his talent warrants. That tells you something. You got to see him a little bit more than you probably expected in the playoffs, and that was good. And he did some good things. I'm not going to act like he didn't. But getting him involved a little bit more, getting McColl involved a little bit more does not make sense to me. I'm cute. They better have a plan for adding wide receiver talent to that group. I'm just going to say that. They, I mean, if you're to take them at face value, it's definitely not going to be Sammy Watkins. Like, they made sound pretty evident that he was not going to come back. And I think from the outside looking in, that seems like a wild move to even consider because you just can't bank on him playing. But like, to come out and say that you're happy with Byron Pringle's development and what McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle combined to provide you is a very questionable decision. It's a, it, that, That's some words that existed in the world, but I don't know how anybody's really buying them right now. I do think I believe Brett Beach when he says they're not going to go out and break the bank in week one on a wide receiver. They're not going to pull the Sammy Watkins deal out again. I do think that's the truth. I do wonder if there's a little bit less of an emphasis on a strong wide receiver too now that Patrick Mahomes is not a first-year starter. Now that Patrick Mahomes is established as a really good player, I wonder if the wide receiver too can now just be a competent player. They don't feel like he has to be a star anymore. And maybe you get one of those second wave of free agency signings at wide receiver, someone that just improves upon the developed Byron Pringle and whatever McCall Harden is providing. I call BS <laughs> entirely on... Which do you believe more, the wide receiver or the cornerback remarks? Oh, man. I think that they're both equal to me, honestly. Uh, I do agree. I do think that Sammy Watkins is not going to be here. I, d- I don't think that they would, or that Brett Veach would throw around his name in that regard, basically indicating we're not interested. Like, that, that doesn't benefit anybody to play that game but you can't convince me with the way that they've tried to insulate Patrick Mahomes with weapons throughout his entire time here with Brett Veach has targeted lots of weapons and he spent a lot of money on Patrick Mahomes' weapons so far in his career you can't tell me that they're going to roll in with Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman and say we're good like we we don't need to add a guy we don't need to really make it a focus even if you believe that those guys are going to take significant steps forward in year three here from McCall Hardman, is this year four for Byron Pringle? Or is this year three for Pringle as well? I believe it's year four for Byron Pringle. Year four for, or maybe five. I'm not sure. If you're willing to believe that they're going to take significant steps, you're still going to need those super significant steps because Demarcus Robinson is gone. Yes, Sammy Watkins has not been as much of a factor lately, but they have still invested in those two spots in a way that makes you believe that they thought that they needed to get better from Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman. They, they did that last year. They could have walked away from Sammy for a lot of money, and they didn't. So I... I just refuse to believe that they think that they are golden with those two guys. I do think that they will factor in. Don't get me wrong. But I don't believe for a second that Brett Veach is going to sit on his laurels with wide receiver two. It may, it genuinely may be week two of free agency before they sign a guy. But I still think that they're going to invest fairly heavily in that position. I think that you're going to see a bigger addition than he's letting on so far. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk about some prospects and some positions that could be on the Chiefs' radar. 
based on that presser right after this. All right, so we discussed Brett Veach's presser. Now it's just kind of time to look and identify what that presser could be telling us when it comes to the NFL draft. So positions that the Chiefs could be targeting in round one based on comments. Uh, or even players specifically, if we want to get that specific, by all means. So prospects that could be on the Chiefs' radar based on the, on, on the presser that we just heard. And let's start in the first round. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to read this quote from Brett Veach. And he made the same joke on Fesco in the morning, and he made it during his press conference. He said, we joke about it every year. Wow, there's so many linemen. But when you pick 31 or 32 every year, by the time you get to the second pick, of the or your second pick 231 they're all gone that's a hint at i think that's a pretty strong hint that they think that they've got to identify an offensive lineman in the first round and if they don't identify an offensive lineman in the first round they might get caught with their pants down a little bit and i don't think this is a year you want to get caught with your pants down at the offensive line position for all the reasons we outlined i think the chiefs have to go offensive line and honestly i think the move is to go tackle I think I, you know, maybe it's it's a it's a Remmers that can play tackle that you can kick inside at guard that has a lot of that versatility to play a longer offensive line. Maybe that's the move, and then go draw go draft a tackle short and long term that can help you, hopefully sooner rather than later. But it's also your long term solution. I would really, based on his comments there, I think tackle makes too much sense. Playing devil's advocate slightly here. I think this is one of the rare years where you might actually have some talent at your second pick when you're picking 31 or 32 along the offensive line. Yeah, you might lose out on the top round of tackles, but the interior group's not bad in terms of the depth. I think you could probably find a quality offensive lineman in the second round. But based on everything we saw or heard from Britt Veach's press conference, I feel pretty confident saying they are going to look in the trenches for the first round. They mentioned defensive line a whole lot during this press conference. We've talked about it numerous times on here. You don't get edge rushers that matter in the NFL frequently outside of the first round. If you want an edge rusher that's good, it needs to be a first round pick. I still think that's an option based on everything they said. It was pretty evident, much like it was with offensive line. There is seen to be a talent deficit along the defensive line. So getting yourself, you know, a Jason Owa, guy we've talked about a lot that is pretty close to what Steve Spagnuolo's thresholds usually are going to be at the end of round one, and then relying on that depth for the rest of the offensive line in round two, there could be a path to success there. I'm going to hedge. I'm going to Maddie answer this because I can. Brett Veach tried to trade back last year. We know this. They talked about how when the Green Bay Packers took Jordan Love, that the phone lines dried up up that didn't mean that they didn't have Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the top of their board because they obviously did but they traded they wanted to trade back because they felt like they could catch him a little bit if he genuinely believes that the cornerback class to play to Kent's theory here if he genuinely believes that it's going to fall a little bit I think that that means that a lot of the offensive tackles are going to go early and I think that he's mentioning that to say Listen, everybody that's saying, yeah, they're going to catch Tevin Jenkins or Elijah Vera Tucker or Jalen Mayfield or, you know, maybe even Eichenberg. Liam Eichenberg. I mean, maybe even him might be gone before the Chiefs get to 31. And if that's the case, he wants to prepare everybody for the fact that they wanted to take that guy. 
So they're going to trade back a little bit and draft Dylan Radins and have him sit for a little bit and take over for one of the tackles. Would not be surprised in the slightest. Also wouldn't hate it. But someone's got to want to come up. If the tackles are gone, what are people coming up for now? That the Chiefs wouldn't also need. Mac Jones. Because, because the Chiefs, <laughs> he's going to be long gone. The Chiefs' it's positions Mac, of Mac needs. Jones is, uh... The 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 positions of need for the Chiefs are positions that are the position that people trade up for for corner for edge rusher tackle. What the Chiefs need are the only things that people would come up for. So the Chiefs would have to be actively saying, "Nope, don't want to draft this need. I want to move back instead." Or it's we see that there's a large group of players in this need and we're fine with trading back because we know we're going to catch one of them. We do know they like the tier system. They tier players together. They talk about it after every draft. Pockets of players. We got pockets Pockets. of players. You got them pockets. (laughs) What was that? Was that a Veach impression? No. Was that like... It's it's a nobody impression. I don't do impressions. I'm not not you trying to pull off Eric Biennemi and Steve Spagnuolo weekly. It sounded like the the devil in Steve Spagnuolo's ear, like on his shoulder, talking about... So for round two, we're going to go off a little small hidden gem from Brett Veach's press conference, combined with Anthony Sherman retiring. Brett Veach, completely unprompted, worked into one of his answers the phrase, and a tight end for... Or a tight end for Trav to back him up. He specifically mentioned that they were looking for a backup tight end, unprompted, not asked about tight end, not mentioned in the slightest by anybody in the press room. Brett Veach offered up they are looking for a backup to or for Travis Kelsey. Makes me wonder if Travis Kelsey doesn't want to play 85, 87% of the snaps anymore because he gets a little bit older. Maybe they don't want him playing every single inline rep, every single rep on the outside. So you're looking at a better tight end too. We know they've been interested in tight ends in the past, trying to get better since they lost Demetrius Harris, the much maligned Demetrius Harris, who has been a lot better than any tight end too. We have ran out there since. They've tried to improve. This seems like a good spot to do it. And now with Anthony Sherman out of the way, maybe it looks even better for a guy like Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame. Even Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan might not be the best in-line blocker, but he's a guy that you could play as an H-back a little bit. He can pull around and block in space. He's a lot better kicking out a guy when he's got a full head of steam than he is blocking a defensive end head up. Trimble's a phenomenal blocker. I just think that losing out on a guy like Anthony Sherman maybe opens you up to play a little bit more of a college spread kind of game and use an H-back or that second tight end fullback hybrid rather than a pure fullback or a pure tight end too. And it sounds like it's on their mind right now. Uh, Matt, you know that this offense only wants vertical threats, which is why they're drafting Kenny Yeboa in like round three, round four. No, I I think that that's a great. I, (laughs) I think that that's probably the way that things are leaning Right now, I do think that tight end two is a bigger need than they let on from from you know year to year. So I do think that they want to get better there. I do think that they want to play a little more 12 personnel. And I think that that's a sweet spot for several guys right there. We've talked about it a little bit, how that might be a little bit underwhelming to some people. And frankly, it might be a little underwhelming to me as well. If I got to see the board, you know, <laughs> it might be a situation where I wish they would have gone somewhere else. Oh, they, there's they, no doubt about it. That's happening. Two of the first three picks were going to be like, oh, okay. One million percent. Yes. Every- Every so year. I, every year, this so, is going mean, to be a I, perfect draft. Oh wow! Look at the 
the optimism on Maddie there. Who is this? I, yeah, what is that guy? He's Craig Go for away. the first time in a week, and all of a sudden he's just a, a new man. Bring back old Maddie. I like old now Maddie I'm dunking better. on him. What's 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 wrong with me? Anyway, uh, I do think that tight end that 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 might be the prime spot for a guy like that. And I, honestly, if it's one of those guys, if it's Brevin Jordan, if it's Tommy Tremble, I, I'm gonna end up being happy with it after a little bit after I get over the fact that they passed on like an awesome linebacker or a safety that I love. Brevin Jordan is a very dynamic pass catcher. I am so intrigued by Tommy Tremble, and I think I actually am going to wind up being higher than Brevin jo- on Brevin Jordan than Tommy Tremble when it's all said and done. But Tommy Tremble would be an immediate fan favorite. Just immediate. Like this, 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 this fan base loves themselves some tight end. They love themselves some fullback. This guy can block with the best of them, and he is a very intriguing pass catcher that is young. He's just not as dynamic as a Brevin Jordan. It would be fascinating to get him in the mix here. All right, round three, Craig. Now where are we going? We've got we've got probably offensive line. We got Tommy Tremble here in round two. What do you think in round three now? Well, since this quarterback class is so deep, apparently I'm getting JC Horn in round <laughs> three. I no, I do think that you will probably see an addition to the secondary. I, I think that we're going to see the safety group maybe get a little turned over. I'm not sure. I, I can see them bringing Dan Sorensen back, but I'm not sure that they're going to feel comfortable with that group going forward. I don't know if they're going to feel comfortable at cornerback. You know, Bashad Breeland, Charvarius Ward in the last year of his deal. Legarius Sneak can play legitimately inside or out, so you can kind of target a couple different positions there if you catch one of these good safeties that falls a little bit. If that's a, you know... If, if that's a Matt Darius Washington out of TCU, or if that's, you know, Richie Grant shouldn't be there, but if he happened to be there in round three, you trade up everything for him. Like there, there's a couple of situations like that, that you can get a couple slot corners, like Elijah Molden, that would be a definite spags guy, aggressive guy there. Trey Brown, another player that's an aggressive player from the slot. That's good feet. So, I mean, I do think that there's a prime spot for secondary help right there. I think that makes the most difference. Add a little bit to the safety or the cornerback room and go from there, knowing that your defense got a lot better. I, if Richie Grant's there, Oh man. I am if Richie Grant's there at the beginning of round three. I'm trading up. If Richie Grant's there at 63. No, we took Tommy Trimble. Remember, saying. I said he was going to be mad about the fact that there was a safety there that we didn't take. Richie Grant's the guy we're upset the Chiefs don't take instead of Tommy Trimble, even though we like Tommy Trimble. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset. I I know that. You're not upset about much of anything. Also, Matt Darius, Washington is our Darius. I just want to make sure everyone knows because <laughs> Craig went full inside joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It's Ardarius Washington out of TCU. Matt just loves him. And it's a my guy that I called that was going to be a Matt my guy like back in October. Yeah, he called it a and long time ago. Sure enough. Guess what? It's going to be a Matt my guy. Maddie, round three. What you think? I, I like this, you know, going off of what Brett Veach said. We're right in the sweet spot of this deep cornerback class. So... I think it all depends on what you want to do with Jerry Sneed. Do you want to kick him back outside where he can be essentially a lockdown corner that showed he had some ball skills on the outside? That's a highly coveted position. Do you not want to mess with Legarius Sneed? Do you want to keep him in the slot where he was a quality player versus the run? 
fantastic as a blitzer. His versatility allowed him to do a lot more, allowed Tyron Matthew to do a lot more, Juan Thornhill to do a lot more things. So I think you have to figure out what's your goal with Snead first. Because if you want an outside corner, maybe you can get a Benjamin St. Just out of Minnesota. Big, long, physical corner. He could step in and play on the outside. Fit with Staggs. If you want to kick Legereus Snead back out, hey, listen, I get it. You want to stay versatile on the inside. You want to have a guy that can blitz. You want to have a guy that can play the run. Just offer some versatility. Maybe this is where you finally get Sean Wade off the board, who's a safety slot corner type hybrid mm-hmm. thing. He could come in and slide into that role. Or if you want a better player, you can take our guy, Michael Carter II, out of Duke. He's a slot corner safety, the better Michael Carter in this draft. It's not really, actually, both Michael Carters are very Lies. good. And Lies. They both play in the state of North Carolina. It's very strange to me. Very confusing. There, no, time out, time out, time out real quick. There's been multiple times in the in the DMs where I thought Craig was finally cross-checking one of my running backs. He's talking about Michael Carter. And I'm just like, no. he's like, Michael Carter in the slot. Intriguing. I was like. Yeah, Michael Carter can catch the ball a little bit. He's yeah. got some no. Good he could line up ability. in the slot and catch the ball from there. I'm like, no, the slot defensive back. I don't acknowledge offense. But yeah, Michael Carter the second slot corner safety out of Duke. You just given some options in this deep cornerback class that could play both outside or inside. And I think it really does depend on what you want to do with Snead. Because the one thing I don't want, I don't want. I know it sounds fun, but I don't want to see Snead play on the outside, then kick inside. And then you have to deal with this constantly switching positions. He's still young. Not that he can't do it. Not that it's not something in the future. But right now, let's let him pick one spot and focus on it. And if he's playing in the slot, that's enough as is. They ask him to do a lot from there. If it's outside, it's a little bit more protected. So that's why I can see the path to keeping him on the inside. He's shown he can do it. But there could be some options in this class in the cornerback position, especially if you're looking for the big physical guys. There seems to be a fair amount of those, too. All right, I want to do this really quick. We're going to do a very quick mock draft. Three rounds. Uh-oh. And we've basically kind of guided it here already. I'm going to pick the first round, and I'm going to make Maddie mad. With the first, with the 31st pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select left tackle Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, a low-ceiling, high-floor prospect that could help immediately. He's probably one of the most pro-ready left tackles. He's not flashy. He's not dynamic. His ceiling is not high as a Jalen Mayfield. I'm not sure Jalen Mayfield is going to be there. I think this is a guy that is relatively realistically there. What do you do with Liam Eikenberg when Eric Fisher comes back? I'm not trying to extend Eric Fisher. Yeah, but what do you do when he comes back midseason? Are you benching Eric Fisher or are you benching the rookie? Ooh, I don't have that answer. I'm just saying. Like, listen, Liam Eikenberg long-term makes a ton of sense because he's solid floor, but I... Maybe I'm cutting Eric... Maybe I'm cutting Eric Fisher. We're oh, not here man. to make Eric Fisher happy. We're not here to just win this year. We're here to make a dynasty. And if that move means Eric Fisher playing rehabbing from an Achilles tear that takes most athletes over a full season to recover from, then maybe he doesn't get his job back. Maybe he has to kick and guard if we're struggling at guard then. It's, if, as long as Liam Eikenberg's playing well, I'm not benching him. Now, if he's playing like a rookie, if he's up and down, like I think he might be early on. I do think he's pro-ready. I think Eikenberg has some technical flaws for a guy that's pro-ready, as odd as that sounds, that he could have some struggles early in his career. He's very beige, so you're not getting a lot of upside. 
you're probably not getting a lot of downside, but when you throw two hands at every single pass rusher that comes at you, the NFL eats those guys alive sometimes. So it all depends on what he does, but I'm not here to make Fisher happy. That's not my goal if I'm the Chiefs. That's the Maddie I'm used to. <laughs> Round two, Tommy Trimble, Matt. I mean, I, if we have to go back to Notre Dame, yeah. I think especially because it was such a lower ceiling first round pick, I want to come back, I want to shoot for the stars. And I think that's Tommy Trimble. I actually disagree a little bit earlier when you said he's not as dynamic as Brevin Jordan. I think he's going to be a better athlete. I think he moves better than Ooh. Brevin Jordan and is probably about the same size, maybe a little bigger. I think Tommy's a I little do. bit more linear. That's where it comes at for me. I think he Tommy's could be. a little I bit do more think, linear. I think he's more explosive, though. I just think watching him get out of his stance versus Brevin Jordan, I think Tommy Trimble is very explosive. But anyway, I think he's a high-ceiling player as a pass catcher and a blocker. Yeah, we'll stick with him unless Craig disagrees with my trembling. I don't. I'm just trying to figure out who the Chiefs are drafting in round three from Notre Dame. Hang on just a second. Let me scroll <laughs> Aaron through Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks. <laughs> no, they have a safety. They have a safety. His name's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Oh, no. He's not going to be around for then. He he's going to be around in 31, and we're not even high some, on him. Some, somebody's going to take him way too early to play linebacker, and he's going to go through the Isaiah Simmons adjustment again, and then somebody will move him to safety, and he'll be good there because he's he's a good slot DB. No, I was thinking Ben Skoronek, <laughs> Aaron Banks, <laughs> Robert Hainsey. Like, I mean, ben Skoronek, let's go. <laughs> uh, pretty underwhelming, but uh, – yeah, I I think in round three, that's that's when you're probably looking at maybe an interior offensive lineman. It, I, I'm fine with doubling up in the top 100 there. I think this class is really good. I think that this is prime spot from maybe, you know, I know we've talked about him from Grambling State, uh, David Moore. I think that you can get a guy like, I mean, I just got done dunking on Aaron Banks, but Aaron Banks is a very good player. I think you could kick in there and play guard at a high level. I think you can maybe take a swing at a couple different guys there that maybe need a little refinement at offensive line and try and get much younger early. So I'll just go ahead and say David Moore because this is a pro David Moore podcast, and I think the Chiefs would be well served to get a good offensive center. Boy, Eichenberg, David Moore, Gabe Jackson, whatever high price center we're going to sign, this offensive line is going to be ready. Oh, my goodness. I just like how we spent oh. like five minutes talking about what the Chiefs are going to do in round three, and we're all just like, corner, safety. And Craig goes, guard. Because I, listen, I know how this goes. They don't draft cornerbacks early. They don't try and target, you know, good defensive players early that, other than Willie Gay Jr. and Juan Thornhill. I shouldn't say that. They do. It's just in round two. In round three, they don't. So <laughs> they, they're literally getting, they're getting ready to cut Colin Saunders probably. <laughs> so, I'm also disappointed that we talked about Notre Dame guys we could draft and didn't come away with Dalen Hayes. Dalen Hayes is going to be gone. Oh, we think so. Before ninety-three, I, I will bet. I will bet something with you, Matthew. Ooh, uh, th listen, I'm fine with waiting an extra round after Tommy Trimble and grabbing uh, a high upside tight end in Ian Book. Ian Book is four feet tall. He's gonna play safety. He's, he's a skyscraper. He's gonna play. He's gonna be the scout team quarterback anytime they're playing. Anytime a team's playing Lamar Jackson, and he's gonna Listen, be a safety. Lamar Jackson's and, gonna be in the AFC for a little while now. You gotta have somebody. Oh Lord. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with the mailbag on Monday. Be sure to check out everything going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We will catch you later.